0: Good morning and welcome to Quartz Talks. I hope you're enjoying your day as you listen to this. Um, Right now the sun is shining and it's 7am in the morning. I was going to actually film this at 3am but I've decided to give myself some more sleep and I guess let the ideas stew. Now, um, what are the ideas you might be asking? Well, this is an episode about something I never intended to make an episode about because... I don't know, I just wasn't really comfortable with that. But now I've had some time to think about it. I thought why not? It's not some theory that I as a young person am not aware of or not I'm not well versed in it, I would say, but that doesn't mean I can't speak about it. Um I feel like nobody is very well versed in it, but everyone's got a lot to say about it and it's everyone's favourite topic nowadays. Um and it's about love and um, the different kinds of love, the way we express love. And um, I've always asked people when I meet them, whether I'm just chatting to a friend or online dating or in-person dating, whatever. Like, what is love to you? What does love mean to you? And I'm always curious to hear the answer because everyone has their own version Um it's never simple or straightforward. I personally subscribe by Nina Simone's definition, which is you don't know how to explain love. You just feel it. How do you tell someone when it means to be in love? You know, it's just it's the same as freedom to some extent. And that's the definition I've echoed. I love Nina Simone. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll know that my Instagram DP is of Nina Simone. I just adore her to pieces. And as I've gotten older and Had a few, should I mention, should I call them heartbreaks? I don't know. Um, But as I've gotten older and dealt with more situationships, I guess I'm cancelling out what I think love was, but I still don't know what it is. I can only tell you by deduction what it isn't. And even then, I'm not too sure. So I know from Key Stage 4, PSHRE, there are four types of love in the Greek context anyway. And that is familial love, storge love, eros, and unconditional love. And the way we learned it was familial was like, yeah, between your family members. Storge is the friendship and platonic. Eros is the love, the romance, um, sexual, lusty. And then unconditional is usually mother to child. So you get these different categories. And sometimes they bleed into one another. I believe there's another form called filia. But we didn't really go into that in school. But as we get older, we see how these types of love bleed into our daily lives. And um, it's hard to, I guess, ignore the fact that these four types of love are basically what is expected of every human being to some extent. You know, we want people to have a family to love. We want people to have family and friends to love. We want people to have a romantic partner and we want people to have children. You know, it's kind of implicated and assume that this is what all of us as people are going to experience. And as I've gotten older, I'm barely only 23, as I've gotten older, I feel like to some extent this has been like a lie. Because it's so clear that people have very dysfunctional family relationships, they have dysfunctional friends, they have dysfunctional romantic partners, and even mother to child, there is dysfunction. But nobody wants to talk about that. And I feel like if we're going to centre this nebulous concept in our lives of love, we need to actually learn it. It's strange how we just expect people to know it and assume that it's, it's internal and it's intrinsic, it's natural and that's how it's supposed to be, when it's not. Very much like how we study at school and learn at home, we have to build knowledge of what love is, healthy love is, and how to practice it properly. And I'm not even going to come and say that I know it. That probably should be the disclaimer for what this episode is about. I'm only a sum of what I've experienced and what I've read and absorbed and consumed. That's it. I can only tell you what I have learned, either through practice or reading or consumption or experience. I am no knowledgeable beacon on what it should be and what it shouldn't be. But I can tell you from... Even the books and the movies I've read, there is definitely, I believe, quite an idealist reflection of what love is and what it should be. That is that initially is just playful, but has come to be slightly disturbing. Because when we don't know what love is, or when we try to duplicate what we see on screen or on pages as fiction, then we then we lose. The, the, the real human connection of what love can be. And it can be difficult and painful and sore and uncomfortable and distrustful, you know. And these are things that I want to investigate as I get older. I've got a few notes for this podcast just to talk about. But I don't think that they are sufficient to explaining love in any Uh, respect it's just uh, ideas that I'm bouncing off the walls and um, I always ask myself when I'm dating or dealing with a new person who I want to make my friend or who I'm talking to a person who I hope to become my partner how much of you am I supposed to accept you know because especially as a black woman we always talk about compromising boundaries and savior complex and wanting to improve everything around us especially the perfectionist that we are that we are groomed to become. But when it comes to other people, I've taken a huge back seat from that from a very long time ago, maybe about 10 years ago, when I was like 13. And I was entering new friendships in secondary school, entering new situationships with people. And I was like, I'm not going to try and improve you. not going to try and make you better because this is who you are. You have to find that on your own. I had that knowledge at a young age and I wonder where it came from you know, I wasn't really a fan of romantic movies, romantic comedies, but I had this idea of what love is, and that, to me, has kind of stuck, whereby when I'm with new people that I endeavour to love, I don't try and control them, or make them better, and I put better in air quotes because better is subjective, you know, but I guess there was an objective understanding of what better is, and that's usually health-wise, Um, mostly health-wise, really. But um, I've never had that... The word is not narcissism, but I've never had that feeling, that desire to improve somebody else. I feel like love is a journey that you have to learn. Not necessarily on your own, but you have to learn it. And... I'm not a teacher. That's what I should actually clarify from this uh, sentence. I'm not a teacher. I feel like I was raised with love from family that was pure and strong and obviously it has been tested as I've gotten older but it was a generous kind of love that I'm so fortunate to have experienced but it was in that it was in that mute form that many African or even just kids or um, immigrants from Asia, Africa and the Caribbean expressed it, which was, you know, food, water, clothes, hygiene. These are the things I'm giving you. That is an expression of love, you know. But as I've gotten older, I've been more verbal with it and I've experienced that verbalization back because my parents have understood that it is something that I need. And my friends were probably the first people to actually teach me the very verbal love. I went to a single sex school, so girls were very hands-on and touchy-feely and, and and expressive in their emotions, whether that was negative or positive. And so I had friends say love you from a very long, um, long time ago, and I would echo it back, not actually knowing what it meant, You know, it was a a friend that you could love and then argue with the next day. And it was like, so what is love if this is what we're dealing with? And people say love is not supposed to be easy or love is supposed to be easy. Love is not supposed to be hard, but love is hard. It's a very strange concept that, like I said, I'm very much in the infancy of learning and unlearning, because there's so many things that I've probably internalised about it that I have to dissociate from. But in the meantime, I kind of wanted to touch on, I guess, like, Bell Hook's book, All About Love. And, um, yeah, again, when it comes to writing or reading, I'm not the kind of person who just assumes that because something's in print, that it's gospel, you know. But I've seen black women in particular take this book and go far with it in terms of expressing themselves as what they want. Sometimes it's the beginning of their politics and the end of their politics, whereby love should be expressed in this form only and when it's not expressed in this form then it's not love. I don't know how we can give a universal definition to this theme when often self-love is put at polar to communal love in the sense that you might not love your community so you have to put yourself first and love yourself versus you might not love yourself so you put your community first and love your community. And I think that that's the binary that a lot of people have enforced, especially for immigrants when they come from back home. They come to the UK, so you've gone from a very communal, kinship-based background to a very individualist, capitalist background, and then people say back home, love your family, love your friends, love the people around you, this is how you grow and you come to a place like the western world, UK and America and they say love yourself above all things, sue your family, disconnect from them and you will grow and so you wonder if these are the two types of love I'm trying to achieve and they are basically mutually exclusive or opposed to one another, how do I achieve both, you know, and we've seen different takes go from things like hypogamy where it's like we marry upwards and then we've got polygamy where it's we marry multiple and then it's monogamy which everyone wants to apparently uh, say it's just not sustainable and I used to be really I don't want to say condescending but critical of people who would find role models in the media as examples of love so from simple things like Quaver and Sweeties break breakup to that recent guy, I don't even want to say his name because it gives him more attention than he deserves, but some guy called Derek Jackson who's known to cheat on his wife multiple times and it's this idea that black women or even mixed race black women are not receiving the love that they deserve or are, are owed and and people look up to the model of perfection when it's going well, but when it breaks up. It's just another example of how love is not enough or, or or love does not sustain like that. And I think that that's an important conclusion to come to whereby, yes, you can love someone with all your heart and the relationship can still not work because the the, the faculty of expressing that love is maybe undermined by a certain behaviour, maybe it's cheating, maybe it's financial issues, maybe it's domestic abuse, it's so many things that a lot of people don't want to reckon with because it spoils the idealist view of what love should be, which as we can see, even in our family and friendship context, context, is that it can be difficult. You're dealing with a human being who was reared in a whole different life to you you know and you're expected to just come together and compromise and know each other and live together and be inside each other and go on and create children together like it's the easiest thing in the world and it's obviously not but then I guess in extension from that point the idea that you're dating another human being the concept and context of race comes in because we assume that within our same race we're going to have shared ideals, customs, and therefore coming together as one shouldn't be as difficult. I can't testify or deny to that, Um, but I can see the theory as to why that would work. There would be less complication in terms of societal expectation, but there might just be some intrinsic personality differences that you have to overcome. But you would see why perhaps someone would argue that an intercultural or interracial relationship might be harder to maintain because you are from different backgrounds as opposed to the ones who are intra but as we've seen with the failure of multiple relationships from multiple spaces it's not necessarily true it's not that background is a precursor to whether you get along with somebody else it's just a part of the mechanics of compatibility compatibility ranges. It's not just about where you're from, it's not just about your religion and your moral principles and your appearance. It's, it's like I said, personality and, and, and finances and, and, and desires for ambition and, and children expectations and so many things. And um, I've seen that with the relationship game changing, To perhaps a more online format whereby you're no longer asking for someone's hand in marriage from a family member and rather meeting someone online and talking to them and and wanting to date them. Those different contexts mean that you might not have the understanding of someone's family background, so you might be even less compatible. You know, years ago it was very much, oh, I know a family. And they're a good family. And I know their entire ancestral lineage and they know ours and they want to marry you. And the arranged marriage concept, you see that. But then nowadays in this 21st century, people are devising their own stories online with their own dating profiles and social media that is disconnected from their family often. And they're presenting themselves away and someone else is doing the same and they're expected to come together, and love one another if they are in love, and it never gets easier trying to deal with all of this stuff, but as I speak, I'm not making any more sense of what love is and what isn't, as I said from the beginning, this is not like me trying to explain what it is, it's just kind of discounting what it's not, even to some extent, I'm not even doing that, I'm just traversing through all the things I've learned, and um, I guess because I just finished Peter Chabosky's book, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. And it's about this young boy, Charlie, who's kind of on the affected uh, personality type. So he's quite awkward and naive and unknowing. And he is seeing love from a very interesting perspective. He has a, sorry if you've not read the book, but spoiler alert, he has a friend that he's in love with essentially, but he takes a very detached approach to loving her and she mentions when she draws him up on it is that I don't want to be somebody's crush and it's funny because I thought to myself just a couple of days ago what is the purest form of love and I thought a crush was a pure form of love because it's an example of somebody who likes you, has an ideal you either aesthetically or personality wise, doesn't even necessarily act on it but just watches you from afar and appreciates you so it's not this audacious I love you so you need to receive my gifts or I love you so you need to reciprocate my love it's more to do with appreciate you from afar perhaps I'm too shy to engage with you but you are my crush and she said no that wasn't what she wants because that's like an idealist version of who a person is and that to love someone you have to be active and engage and I took it with a pinch of salt and seasoning, onion, garlic, as I like to say. I thought to myself, "Okay, so if we are if, if we are active lovers and we profess to love people every time, we have to run the risk of basically never receiving that love back." There's a lot of times in life whereby we want something, and then when we don't get it. We claim we did, we never wanted it in the first place. How many times have women? not lie to themselves, but definitely told the story to a friend of really liking a guy, really loving a guy, and then him either breaking her heart or not reciprocating that love, and then deciding she doesn't love him anymore. What is love? Is it love on the condition of reciprocity? Is it love on the condition of a particular type of expression? We understand a one-way love because we see a mother give and give to a baby who cannot even return that affection often. But trying to transpose that kind of, I don't even want to say maternal love because I guess it could be parental love, but it's particularly maternal. And put that in a romantic context can lead to destruction for many women who will love effusively, extremely, and never get anything returned it's a difficult conversation to have, especially as a black woman in the 21st century, whereby when you live in a place like England, which is where I live, the the options are limited, you know, especially when you're dark-skinned, you know, and um, people will, it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. When you are dating people, you are aware of the politics of your dating that person, whereby someone else just perhaps gets to kind of date apolitically, you have to contend with this idea of, yes, okay, I'm a pro-black individual, let's say, in air quotes, but my partner is not black. You know, when you are in that interracial situation, if you are an an racial situation, you might not be dating yourself from your country, and you might be like, yes, I endorse my culture, I love my language, but my partner can't share it with me, or my partner doesn't share this heritage with me. And having to understand that and not be beaten down by that is hard I guess for the modern day millennial black woman I guess it was something that was always historic because we have seen interracial relationships exist in many contexts but I guess because right now there's a very sticky situation occurring and I'm going to explain it in as much um, detail as I can but with as much succinctness as I can and it's Black women becoming extremely well-educated and earning a certain financial bracket. And because of the white-dominated spaces they enter, they end up marrying or dating outside of the race. It's, it's becoming extremely common. It's always been around, particularly in places like Britain. But um, it's probably more visible now because you're seeing an influx of people on YouTube and sharing that experience and monetizing that experience. And it's popular. And it's something that a lot of people have a lot to say about. If from women from Jodie Turner-Smith to Serena Williams, people have something to say about these women dating white men, you know. And um, I'm not saying that they're doing it because the men are in their backgrounds or whatever, but one thing that black women that I know... One thing about black women that I know is that I think a lot of them are just choosing themselves as they should. Um, It's getting to a point in life whereby, like I said, the communal living that people experience back home is no longer a need, either in the West or a necessity in the West, because you might live alone. You might be... uh, paying your own bills and your own your own rent and mortgage, you don't have to do what your family says. But where the attraction comes from for these women is completely individual. In mentioning hypergamy, I know that a lot of women are going into this space because, yeah, they believe there's more security or perhaps less racial violence. And I'm not here to explicate that or affirm that or deny that because whenever you date a man there is harm on your way regardless of race and that's something that you have to accept regardless of race and people will draw up statistics but there's some things that are very inflated in the black community when I say things I'm talking about interactions of things like maybe lack of fatherhoods, lack of fathers or increase in poverty or menial financial means and people forget that this happens in every community across the world um, it happens in the white community happens in the Asian community and in comparison there's probably an overrepresentation of black people who are either, experiencing poverty in the West because of the conditions that were created with immigration and their status and citizenship back home. But themes like lack of fathers, that's a universal thing. That's a patriarchal thing. That's a paternalistic thing. When you understand that a lot of these things are not endemic only to your community, you understand how racializing it can be a problem because it is something that's universal lack of fathers in the home even when they are present physically or financially they're not there mentally and socially and that goes back to my point of loving you know um we talk about a mother's love all the time how often do we speak about a father's love And men aren't taught to practice love in the same way that women are. And I think that's exactly the problem. There is no universal concept of love. And because there is no universal concept of love, and how are we expected to love each other properly? I remember reading um, The Will to Change, Men, Masculinity and Love by Bell Hooks, and that was interesting because as a woman with a father and a s- not son and a brother, I say son because my brother is in some ways like my son for some reason, um, I had to read this book and understand, although it's from a woman, how men love or how men try to love. And um, I was concerned by it because it's not what women are taught in terms of love. I remember feeling assailed and, and and uncomfortable when people tried to love me openly or expressively in romantic situations because I was so used to a muted form of love that anything that essentially went above a certain decibel was just too much for me and it made me want to escape. It still makes me want to escape. I'm trying to like unlearn it and be happy with the expression of love. But sometimes I feel like that term of love is a weapon whereby someone can accuse you of not loving them enough or well because you didn't do a certain act or because you don't behave in a certain way. And you trying to communicate that you don't love like that can make someone feel insecure, lesser than, just simple things like this, I try not to read about love, because I don't want to get, and when I say read, I mean in a fictional concept, because I don't want to get that false, unreal view of it, but reading biographies, maybe learning more psychological terms for it, psychological books, might help me understand a more healthy way of loving a person. Bear in mind, there are so many new forms of expression that didn't exist before. You couldn't express your love on social media 20 years ago because social media did not exist. You know, married to on Facebook did not exist. Or a Twitter or Instagram post did not exist. How were people loving back in the day? And I'm not saying that's even foolproof because maybe that wasn't good. Maybe that wasn't enough. But it's just so interesting that the languages of love just go beyond physical affection, gifts, time. It's so much further and deeper than that in this new age whereby someone can have a picture of you on their screensaver in a time whereby your screensaver says a lot about you. But 50 years ago, maybe all you had was a picture in a wallet or purse. Or lock it with an image inside. Like these very interesting forms. Should Valentine's Day be a thing of course. If you want to celebrate it that's fine. But it's interesting. Because I wonder for our grandparents. When they were expressing love. They may not have had a day. But. In expressing it for a lifetime, that was sufficient. But someone may be upset with somebody else because they didn't do something for Valentine's Day. You know, and i, I do not not try to undermine this celebration. I'm not trying to undermine this celebration. I'm just trying to say, like, the forms of love are so expansive. You can do something for Valentine's Day and do something every day. You know? Constant affirmations. And I think we are in that stage of our generation whereby we want it all and that's in every sense it's a consumerist lifestyle that we are living so we want every item we want all the money and we want all the clothing I think we want all the love and I wouldn't even say there's nothing there's anything wrong with it it's more to do with the fact that to what extent are you willing to go to get that love And I think that goes back to my point about boundaries, is to what extent are you willing to accept a person wholeheartedly and completely, flaws and all? And there's no easy answer. I decided to share this podcast just because I was curious about my thoughts. I'm glad I'm getting it out in a verbal manner. But I don't want to, like, be the, the... The educator as to what love is, or for someone to look to me as to what love should be, because I don't know. I know that feelings can lie. So, for somebody like Nina Simone to even say, How do you explain what love is? You just feel it. I worry about my feelings. Sometimes I feel tired and I miss a deadline. Sometimes I feel angry and I say a curse word. If love is as physiological as a feeling, then I'm fearful. Because what if that chemical transmitter, neurotransmitter, is not enough? What if that feeling fleets? And it's happened before, you know? And going back to the idea of, you know, deciding you're not in love with a person because you haven't had reciprocity, makes you wonder, so what is the condition that we are placing on this concept that rules so many of our lives? Is it attainable? Unbridled loyalty. I hope I'm not sounding like a pessimist in this respect, but I just know the world's large and people are not static, they're fluid and ever changing. So, to expect a human being to love me forever is a huge ask. Because I don't even know if I could love them forever. If they change to a degree that I don't like. Am I supposed to accept it because I love them? You hear songs, R and B, particularly. Songs from guys like Mint Condition and Boys to Men, Monica and Brandy about love and you, you create that concept and you say are they just inflating this feeling or is this how it is because it sounds amazing and then you kind of try and enter it and you're like oh my god this is horrific um I didn't know this would be this hard I have to compromise and get through the hard times consistently And I'm always trying to live in the moment and be present with love as opposed to trying to theorise it because where's that going to get me? Nowhere. In reading The Perks of Being a Wallflower, I saw the protagonist, the speaker, the narrative voice, Charlie, observe other people's types of love and critique it, but not in this very judgmental way. Rather than a detached way, there were moments where he convoluted love with abuse when he spoke about his sister being beaten up by her boyfriend and him just not arguing with her about it because he had experienced, I should put trigger warning in here, he had experienced his own trauma-laced love and affection for somebody who had molested him but he loved dearly. And that is something that he was trying to unpack with medical professionals. But it wasn't easy. And I like that Peter Czaposki didn't try to make um, a solution out of it. He just wanted to tell a story. Because that's what a lot of people are dealing with. But on the healing side of it, on the solution side of it, There definitely needs to be a route for people to unpack the trauma of love. Why certain elements of trauma are not love and why certain elements of love should not be trauma. But when people have been raised by individuals, because the first love you experience is from your parents, who tell you, I hate you because I love you then you create a conflation that is dangerous precedent for future loving relationships. How much do you adapt and compromise yourself for this nebulous concept? I've seen myself change for people I love because it makes them feel better. But if I was to be me 24 seven, I don't think I'd ever get love. That's, and that's the honest truth. Nothing I'd ever get love. Because what is love but a shared space? If we can't meet in the middle, is it love? Can you exist as yourself and I exist as myself, far away from one another, different ideas, beliefs, backgrounds, aspirations and still love one another wholeheartedly, then what do I love about you? You know? I think you can. I'm I'm literally just verbalising my thoughts. I think you can love someone very different to you. I think you can. And of course, the dreaded topic of conflating lust with love is a dreaded one i saw a very interesting tweet the other day that i thought was 100 percent true where it was like before you go and talk to your ex again just masturbate and see whether afterwards you want to talk to that ex again and that made me realize so many people are definitely conflating lust with love And there's nothing wrong with wanting someone physically or sexually. That's not the point. But so many of us are deciding that that combination of flesh is the precursor to what love is. (laughs) And I'm here to tell you, it's a lot more than that. Anyone can have sexual chemistry. Anyone. But to love that person through difficulty, and I don't want to emphasise difficulty, but... As I mentioned before, if you are different, then there may be difficulty. Because when you have different beliefs and mindsets, you prioritise different things in your life. And if someone else doesn't do that, how do you share a life, you know? One of you is an early riser and another one of you is a night owl. I guess that's why people are doing very separate lives but are still married. I guess and it can be done, you know? People live abroad. I remember asking my grandmother, how did her marriage with her husband work for so long? And she said he was gone a lot of the time because he used to work abroad or in other cities in Ghana and Togo as an accountant, so he wasn't always present. And that obviously minimised fighting and the arguments, which a lot of people deal with when they're constantly in another person's space. It's not a coincidence that the lockdown has led to so many divorces and breakdowns. Not because the love isn't strong, but because the extent to which you have to compromise with a person can undermine your own autonomy. If the light is on and you need to sleep, okay, you can go sleep in another room. And again, that comes from a luxury of having more than one bedroom. But if you want to be apart like that anyway, why are you married? Why are you together? Why not just be friends or why like... That blurry line between friendship and lovers, as well. I mean, it's all messy. And I think going back to the lust point, the noise that annoys, the thing that annoys me the most is the extent to which women compromise their bodies for love or lust, whatever you want to call it. The contraception they take—that is completely one-sided. Birth control that can lead to infertility and blood clots that they don't even get tested for before they're on these drugs. Symptoms that can worsen depression and body image and it's okay because I love him. It's just something I'm really hypercritical of. I think it's a conversation that people don't want to have because then it's just a huge can of worms, isn't it? But it really makes me uncomfortable the extent of which women compromise. And I'm talking in a heteronormative context mainly because that's where you get pregnancy. That's where you get patriarchy. And the patriarchy affects everybody. But you just hear it amplified, amplified when it's in a heterosexual relationship. And it's concerning as a woman. When it's like the extent to which you love a person should be mirrored in your willingness to do certain things that you may not even understand the long-term effects for. Going back to the whole contraceptive point. Safe on the surface, but after prolonged use, why not just have a man with protection that he can then remove as opposed to taking a pill or putting an implant in your arm that changes your biochemistry so that you're not menstruating in the same way as before. So now you have to learn a whole new pattern just so you can have someone insert themselves inside you without having to wear protection. Now, when you put it like that, it just doesn't sound fair, does it? Because it's not. I'm not here to. Argue oh, with Eve and, and, and decry biology, but from what I've even read, the stats about women dealing with medical care, it feels like we are in a misogynistic world in every respect, not just in promoting to senior in corporate spaces, but literally getting advice from a doctor. That is not misogynistic. That is aware of the fact that a woman, a cis woman, who can get pregnant and has got a womb, can be pregnant from one or two men only, really. Or if you're doing artificial insemination, multiple. But the idea is, is that you can only hold so many babies in a single pregnancy, whereas a man has infinite levels of seminal fluid to impregnate multiple people at once. But the birth control goes to a woman who can really only have a maximum of, I mean, let's just say she got pregnant every year, 50 babies, let's say, or she's having multiple births, more than that. Whereas a man can impregnate everybody. A cis man can impregnate everybody. It's just these kind of things that make me wonder to what extent do I like or love a person that I compromise myself? And that was just a physical example of the body. But even my principles, you know, as a woman, as a human being, what do I do and not do for a partner? What's too far? Forget tattoos and, and birth control and babies and, and body weights and hair. What about jobs? and moving house. And I don't think it's a a sensible thing to uproot so much of who you are before a person, for that person, in that meantime. As cynical as it sounds, it's just not worth it to me. Just I don't like to compromise myself for other people. It's just not going to happen. But I do understand that that condition can make it very much hard for me to receive love because people don't love people as they are they love them for what they do for them it's that shared space so that's my thoughts on love as a black woman I guess and I have to stress that it's a black woman because I know that other women experience this but perhaps they have more options than someone of my background because not everybody likes black women point blank beyond the fetish so to actually experience genuine love and then romantic love and then almost unconditional love is pretty difficult but that's my very vulnerable uncomfortable take on this bewildering concept and maybe I'll do another episode in the future we will see but thank you for listening to this episode of Corks Talks I hope you have a great remainder of your day and I look forward to sharing with you another episode when another topic comes to my mind.